uh, honestly when i was in the philippines i i know how to iron but not uh, i'm not a good i'm not good in this type of work you know and when i reach in ireland i have to learn so i asked help with evelyn if, if you could teach me to iron because i don't really know how to iron a shirt and it took me 30 minutes but i still i did not finish the one shirt then evelyn taught me how to iron then I think I'm very good now with this because my employer now is uh, wearing a Dolce Gabbana, Gotzi, but he's satisfied with my ironing. Why were shirts so difficult to iron? Because if you have no technique in ironing this, uh, it takes time and it's still, gr there's the, the grease will show. See, it's like that. So it should be one direction if you iron a very sensitive uh, uh, material. Okay, and where do you start? Uh, I start here, the collar, then the bottom here, this one here, the right hand side uh, in front, yeah, and just like that. See? And it should be very, you know, it should be very particular with the, uh, here, the collar, because uh, some, now was that employer or uh, they want the color is very straight and uh, hard and like James Bond <laughs> because <laughs> okay um, I suppose if they've spent the money on a Dolce and Gabbana shirt they yeah. want it looking perfect yeah they look, look and perfect and you should be very careful as well because if you uh, it's the, if the iron is too hot you will uh, burn the the cloth and uh, I know that my employer will not happy if I will burn one of his uh, branded uh, shirt, you know, because it's expensive uh, according to him. Will you please iron this with TLC? Because this is very, I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to, to let you know about the price, but this is a very expensive shirt. It cost me 600 sterling. So I have to be very careful because that's already my one more than one week salary for one shirt. <laughs> and I cannot afford to lose that money for, for not intended for my family, Kay. Maria is from Mindanao in the south of the Philippines. In the Philippines, she was an accountant. In Ireland, she's a domestic worker. She's been in Ireland for about 12 years. For the past few years, she's been very happy working for an Irish family, but it hasn't always been so. Maria is also part of a support group for domestic workers called the Domestic Workers Action Group, and at the moment, they are working on a performance that's going on in the Project Arts Centre in Dublin. It's made up of dramas and personal testimonies about the experience of being a foreign domestic worker based in an Irish family. I go along to the first rehearsal at Project Arts Centre. Here, we'll take the time to say a thing, and Neelam, you're okay with that now, are you? Yes. That's the first thing. Yeah, that's really good, really good. The first piece of drama that they're working on is the story of Anna, a young Filipino worker who leaves her home in the Philippines to come and work for an Irish family. She's so sad to leave her family, but full of enthusiasm and hope about her new life in Ireland. Hello? Anna, can you give me the details of your travel arrangement? We can't wait. Maria is playing the role of the Irish employer. Aren't you glad the agency found you a good job here in Ireland with us? The children are so excited. Don't worry about a thing. 
Everything is arranged here for you. Thank you, you sound so nice. I'm really looking forward to being a childminder for your children. It's all organized. Live-in childminder, just minding the children. That's it. The children are very nice. Your accommodation is included, and most your salary is very, very good. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Bye. We love you so much, Anna. I know we need the money, but I don't want to lose my daughter. Don't worry, mother. I will work hard and send you back money and save so we can build a new house and I can send my children to a very good school. But in Ireland, working and living with a family tends to blur the boundaries between being considered part of the family and being continually on call for work. The character Anna finds herself constantly on call to the Celtic tiger Irish mother. Anna, are the kids ready for school? Uh, yes, they are. Everything is done. What happened here? The kitchen is not clean yet. Hurry up. You've been here for more than six months now. Here's the list for shopping. Okay. And here's the list for today's work. Okay. But I need you to wash my car. And by the way, I'm going out with my friends tonight. And I want you to stay up until I come back home. Okay? What time will that be? How am I supposed to know that? You're living here. And what difference will it make? Bye, kids. Morning. You were asleep last night when I came home. Which word you don't understand? If I say stay up, stay up. This blurring between time off and time on call to the family can be an area of huge conflict between the Irish employer and the domestic worker. You know, uh, if they considered you, because they told me that I'm part of the family, the problem is if they considered you a part of the family, as if they owned you. They want you, they expect you to do everything. And uh, it's okay if you only work uh, about in their family, but you know, their friends will bring their children in their house and you mind them as well. Two, three, four children. And the mom just dropped, hi, can I leave my kids here? Okay, then when they arrive, thanks. Oh my God, and you cannot finish your work. So then the following day, your ironing is loads already because you mind their children. In spite of her difficulties, once Maria had settled into working in Ireland, she encouraged her two younger sisters to come and join her as domestic workers. Her youngest sister, Isang, also had a profession in the Philippines, but she has now been working as a domestic worker in Ireland for over eight years. She explains how the Irish family's foreign holiday can mean family hell for the domestic worker. And then the worst thing that I experience with most lawyer is if every time we go for a holidays, I go with them for two months. And I mean, I have my life too. If you go to some some holiday place, that you go come, you go with them. The more lo the more longer hours that you are spending to work every night, most of the nights they go out. You mind the kids. The worst thing was they invited their friends, children, come over to the house, sleep over, and then. Even those visitors of them, they just even bother to, to tell you that. Just like, who cares? This is the nanny of our friends, so the work is loads and everything. And then... So in the house, everybody's looking forward to going, and you're hating the thought. I hate work. it. I hate it. But you don't have choice, Kate, because they won't give you salary if you stay here in Ireland. So you are forced to go. And two months is two months. 
this eight weeks. So since I've been there for like seven years, I know how they reacted if I told them that I won't come. You have you meet lots of Filipinos there, but your time is just too short and you won't enjoy your holidays. They just don't bother that you're tired and then they went go home and would say they would not even tell you that I will be late tonight and you are starving. They won't even tell you that can you mind the kids? You just you just get surprised because when they come home, they went to the shower, have some makeup, clean the their their selves and then they would change their, their pretty clothes or whatever, and then they will go out and they don't even tell you that you need to babysit. I mean, how, how many hours does the domestic workers allowed to work at, every day? I'm interested to know from Maria and Isang whether it's the nature of domestic work that maybe makes their employer look down on them, or is it because they are foreign workers and that there might be racism involved? I think this way, Kate, because uh, we know that we are came from a third world country and we are a poor country. They think that because maybe because of our brown color, our brain also is not working. <laughs> That's part. There's a racism there and there's also a, their power, that they are more powerful because they're they're paying us, you know, and they oh they don't want to go because they think that we don't we have nothing to eat in the Philippines or and you meet some people, European people think that uh, because you're a cleaner or a, uh, what is that, as a minder, they think that you're an idiot. They're, I've been asked me, now did you have, do you have electricity in the Philippines? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but they think that you know nothing. It's like that. But maybe, but not all, not uh, all uh, family are like that. They're also... Those who are helping me are Irish, but um, in general, because I have two sisters here, they experience also a bad experience here. I asked Maria and Isang if they think Irish childminders would be treated in the same way. I don't know, because the the, the family that I'm wor- working before, they have a rest, room, rest, uh, rest house and they have uh, an Irish cleaner, but the Irish cleaner don't clean as we clean the house. But they don't they they did not complain. It's okay with them. But for if we are the one did it, she said, Oh, what's happened to here? See look, it's not clean like, like that. Why? It's not all the Irish, but the worst experience was at as I observe, or may, maybe from friends as well that who's been working with an Irish family for so long. At first they're very nice people, but it as you go on the, the the more years that I don't your your stay there, you know, the more you know them and the more the 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 worst that you have to experience. It's not. I mean, they they would tell you you're part of the family. You're part of the family. That's bullshit. That's bullshit word. Sorry, Kate, for my language, but that's the reality, you know. Because the more that they said that to you that you're part of the family, they are they are going through give you the full responsibility that the supposedly the parents is going to to what you call that to give time to the children it's all up to you so why don't the workers just leave and get another job in ireland it all comes down to legalities and getting a work permit we even if we don't like our employer even if i we hated the way we, they treated us uh we don't 
complain because of the working permit because the working permit is very hard to get i really wanted to leave but but as the time goes on every year it's hard for us to to change employer now because of the the strictness from the department of uh enterprise you know of getting a permit so I, th I thought to myself, if I was able to, to work here for five years, why should I couldn't wait for another two years and wait for my residency? Maria Isang and her friends love to dance and sing. So on Saturday night, they head for the Manila Bar in Dublin's Abbey Street for karaoke night. Isang is one of the star performers at the Manila Cafe. So after much perusal of the karaoke songbook, She's off. Polly Sang sings her heart out. Her sisters and friends feast on soup and plates of noodles and limber up for their own performance. along while her other sister Anna is busy texting her family in the Philippines and I'm wondering if Isang is thinking of her young husband in the Philippines as she sings all-time lover. Spending time with Maria and the other domestic workers, it becomes clear that their work conditions here in Ireland, though important, becomes insignificant when compared to the pain they feel for their families, those left behind in the Philippines. In the case of Maria, leaving behind small children as young as those she has cared for in Ireland. I asked Maria how she made the decision to leave her four children in the Philippines to come to work here in Ireland. I really had a plan at the, ta at the time that I need to work abroad so that I can uh, educate my children. I was, I was very glad that I found a job here, that my friend asked me to work here, but uh, two weeks before my departure, I cried every night. I look at my children and it's still there. Their, their, their faces are still here and still here. I cannot forget. It's the hardest part of my life. Okay? I cried. My youngest at that time is only two, more than, uh, two and a half year old, and the next is uh, five, and eight, and twelve, yeah, no, fourteen, and it's very hard. So I talk to my eldest, fourteen, he, because I'm very close to my children, you know, and I told to my son that I explained to him that he knows because... Uh, he knows K because uh, he's a 14 at the time and he knows it, it's not easy because I'm the one who is earning because my husband did not finish her studies. From the very start, I'm the breadwinner in the family. So he knows that I have to work. And she, he said, okay, mama, it's okay. But from the, the, the tricycle, uh, tricycle <laughs> sent me to the terminal, bus terminal, I cried and cried and cried. 
after a year, I after a half and a, one and a year and a half, I went home, and I, I left in the Philippines. I get short hair. When I go home, I get long hair, and you know my youngest and meet me in the airport, and she said to me that. You're not my mama. My mama wears a short hair. She said that to me, and she, she just staring at me. She stared at me like that. And when we, when we were in the van going home, because we have to travel for an hour, and she, she touched like that. You know what? You're my mama. Go, why? Because my heart beats like that. And I cried, kid. Imagine that. It's not easy, you know? I know that those those uh, years that passed that I'm not, I'm away from my children will not come back. I know that. And how are her children growing from children into adolescents without her? How are they getting on? Oh, there are times it's like a nightmare, Kay. That because my eldest maybe maybe because I was not there, I am not there, and my eldest he studied a uh, nursing in his college, and you know what? I found out that he did not enroll the college and I keep on sending money and you know our work here is not easy it's very tiring work and I found out that my son spent all the money that I send her and then I'm expecting that he's going to graduate for f after four years then not oh it's terrible but I have to be blamed as well because I was there and do you blame yourself at times for not being there oh yeah yeah I I, I said to myself maybe uh, if I uh, I was there, maybe my son will not be like that. But I asked also, I told to myself as well that no, it's no, no. We are. I am poor before, but I strive very hard to to improve. But him, I don't know. I cannot understand. Maybe he's still young, but I still forgive him because he's my son. <laughs> and how do you keep in contact with your children? Oh, I I I call them every day, almost every day, and. One of my biggest expenses is the top up in my mobile because I call because if I'm my youngest start talking, I cannot tell her that okay, stop because I'm, oh, how's your homework? Where are you doing? It's like that. Um, if you meet my children, they're very good kids, they're very respectful, even if I'm not, I, I'm not there, and they have a very uh, good personality, and I'm thankful for that kid, even the, the my eldest son who who's uh, doing bad things to her, his studies, but it's very good, it's very good. Very respectful, very polite, and they're okay. And who minds them? It's my husband, it's, and sometimes my mother and my aunties, because Filipino family are very close, and if my husband is not around, you can take your older children and bring to my mom's house and remind him, and my children can do anything they want. We're very close, and I'm very lucky that my my mom is still alive, and he's uh, the best mom in the whole world. Yeah, she's very nice kid, my mom. I never heard complain. I never heard complain. She's very nice. So feeling this pain and heartbreak for home and her children, I wonder how can Maria face minding the children of Irish parents? Mm, minding their children, it's, her, it's hurting, but... You know, it helps me a lot because you learn to love the children. They help you as well because as if you're minding your own children. But but in your subconscious mind, there's a feeling of guilt as a mom. 
Because it's not your children, you're minding. Yeah, yeah. If you hold the small hands and you do like that, if you're minding, you ask, oh, God, what happened to my children now? It's like that. Because you're a mom. A hundred miles away from home. Away from home. Away from home. A hundred miles away from home. Away from home. Maria's song from the project show sums up the heartbreak of the foreign domestic worker. But for now, she's happy as we have taken a trip back to Mindanao in the Philippines to meet her family and visit the modest empire she and her sisters have built with the money they have earned as domestic workers. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Darling, I hate to go. We are in Davao, the capital of Mindanao, the second largest island that makes up the Philippines. Mindanao should be a tourist trap. It's surrounded by seas and white sandy beaches. It has coconut, banana and other exotic fruit trees in abundance. And it's guarded over by the imposing volcano Mount Apu. However, it's also the home of terrorist threats and constant security alerts. This is mainly because the Muslim majority would like to break Mindanao away from the rest of the Philippines. In Davao, life spills out onto the streets, where stalls selling motorbike parts, furniture and tires vie for space with food vendors, child beggars and street musicians. And everywhere there are people five and six and ten to a store, as if to prove that the Philippines has a whopping huge population count of 97 million people. We travel from Davao to Maria's hometown of Digos City. It's less frantic than Davao, but far more beautiful. The streets are chock-a-block with covered vans that act as buses, motorbikes, bicycles and tricycles. The modest homes have sweet-scented gardens bursting with exotic fruits and flowers. We arrive at Maria's house. It's full of children and teenagers. The sons, daughters and grandchild of Maria, her sisters and brothers. Maria begins the introductions. Hey, this is my husband, Jack Dickens. This is my granddaughter. And this is my eldest son, Carlo. Yeah, Karina, and this is Nelita. This is my youngest daughter, Ariana. Are you delighted to have your mommy back? Do you miss her when she's away? Yes, I miss, very, I miss her very much. I think she misses you an awful lot, though, doesn't she, when yeah, she's away? Yeah, I miss my daughter. She's my princesa. I call her princesa. Because she didn't like her princess, her little princess. Can you remember when she went away first? Um, no, I didn't remember anything, but I remember when I was five or six, I cried very much. Why do you think she's away? Because she's, she's sacrificing for us. It's because she wants us to give the best life that we could ever have. And do you think it's worth that so that you can have a good education? Yes, and I'm very, very proud of my mommy. Next is John. Come here, John. Do you remember your mom going abroad? When I was in grade two. I always remember that because that was the best time in my life when my mother is right by my side. But when the time comes that 
she left us. I feel very lonely and sad because I miss those times that we're, we're banding together with my brother and my sisters. And what is it like when she's away? I really miss her because when I see my fellow classmates enjoying their life with their mother, I feel very jealous because there's a time that I remember the things that when my mom is right by my side and I feel lonely because they, they are so happy with their mother and I, my mother is away from us but I realize that it is for our own good to, so that we can go to school and have a better life and have a good future. And do you talk to her every week or do you have a set time when you talk to each other? Yes, every day. I always ask her if she's okay. Her life is so hard because he spent his time working. And uh, now, Carlo, come here. You're the eldest. Yes, Sam. Do you remember your mom and dad discussing your mom going abroad? Yes, way back. I think I were at that time. I, I'm just only second year high school. They, my mom said to my dad that he's planning to go abroad in order to have, to have a better life. I'm so sad because I know my mom will go far away, far away from us. Then I know that we're going, we're going to miss her. But we, but. But then we realized that, that she's doing that for our own good in order, has, in order have to have a better life. And has it meant a huge difference to your lives, the money that your mom has earned? Yes, sending us, sending us in school, yes, in a better school so that me and my siblings can go to college. And here in Philippines, when you say your, your mom's in abroad or your father's in abroad, yeah, they are in a, in a good in a good life what, what going that but deep inside from us we missed our we miss our relatives who are far away from us Maria's children are looked after by her husband David but a huge responsibility also falls on the shoulders of the older children such as Cara the daughter of Maria's other sister Anna while Anna works in Ireland Kara has become a substitute mom to her brothers. It was a hard time for us that time because, well, I'm, I'm the eldest in the family, so definitely I would do her job and I would be, I sh supposed to be a mom to my two brothers. And it's so really difficult for me to do as it is. Because you have your own life. Yeah, and um, my mom lived us when I was fourth year high school. But we have no choice because if she will not go there, my family would, would not be as uh, stable as we are right now. So do you feel that you've become a little mom earlier than you expected? Yeah, I do. Actually, I... I I do some paying a bills and questions of cleaning the house. I cook, I, I do everything as what she do before because she trained us how to cook, how to clean a, the house, to do everything so that we are responsible enough when she leaves. So what's your day like? In the morning I wake up 4 a.m. 
4 a.m. Yeah, to cook food for my two brothers, to prepare their clots to, for them to go to school. I do have a class on 7.30, so that's why I need to wake up early. I know my mom do that for us to give a good education for my for me and for my two brothers and how, how long is mom gone now i think four years and how often have you seen her every two years and do you talk on the phone yeah but every day we saw each other on internet using skype because she's away would you tell her everything or would you keep things from her because you wouldn't want her to be upset. Yeah, some um, there are some situations that I need not to tell her, but there are some things that, sh of course, I tell her a happy things because I don't want her to be upset because she's been away, away for us and I just want her to be happy. Right, so she would, sh you don't tell her any problems you might have? No. I don't. Come here, Tiffany. She's my niece. Tiffany is the daughter of Maria's brother. His wife works as a domestic worker in the United States. Since I was 11, she already left. It was a very hard thing for us, especially for me, because I'm the only daughter. And, you know, I was used that my mom's always there for me. And she always take care of me and all the attention was mine and then suddenly she left so what happened is that I need to take the charge of being a mom at the age of 11 when my peers are like they're playing at the ground I'm at a room sitting in a chair in a table with all my pen and sheets of paper because I need to balance all all the money that my mom is sending so I need to I even took care of my grandpa, of my cousins who are studying, so I'm the one who's budgeting everything, every expenses at the age of 11. So I'm... Because the money that your mom sends back goes to the wider family. Yes, yes. So you know who is to get what. Yes. And my mom's only going to, you know, give me the money and she will give me the responsibility to budget it. That's a big job. Yeah, indeed. So I've lost my a bit of my childhood because I became mature as early as 11 years old because we have no choice. Like, I mean, we do have two options. It's either to stay in the Philippines, be with each other, and starve to death, or go abroad, lose each other's presence, and survive. So... Of course, we need to survive, so my mom left us. In exchange, I had a good life. I was able to study in a big university. You know, when I was young, I've always wanted to be a doctor, and then I would shift into another dream again. I wanted to be a lawyer and everything. But as years gone by, when my mom is not with us, as well as my aunt, and seeing my cousins with all this situation, it had affected me as much as it had changed my goals as a person. Right now, if you're gonna ask me, and what is my dream, I want to be a mother in the future. You know, I want to build a big family because I want to correct the flaws that 
my family had. And I would never ever let my children to suffer just as what we had right now with my, as well as my cousins. Because of it, I also am like a mother to my cousins because I know how it feels to have, you know, my mom like in a place where we could never see each other that often. So, so I always see to it that at least in my own little ways, I could reach out to them and fill out what they missed from my aunt. But you do, under, you do realize why your mother made the decision. It's just you don't know. Of course. It's, it's, it's hard to know whether it was the right one or not. Yeah, of course. When I was there at the United States of America, I can really see my mom, you know, collecting even this, a single penny just to give that, to send that to the Philippines. And then she told me that there's no greater joy that she could give to herself that she could experience than seeing the family in a good condition, seeing the family happy. Like, as you can see, we're so poor, but we're having a laptop and a television. They're making everything for us, and we appreciate that so much, and we have seen that. That's why we really, really understand, and that's why the rest of my cousins know how to speak English, because we're trying to to do our best to satisfy, I mean, to give consolation to our parents. And what about the husbands? Isang's husband is a maths teacher and calculated his loss in the subtracted days and weeks of Isang's absence. It's quite uh, difficult, really. So for me, as a husband, I do not want her to go there because of our family, but of course, uh, we have a plan for our children. The problem there is our our distance. When was the last time she was uh, March or April 2010. Uh, almost almost two years. That's a long time. Because uh, as I had to compute in one year, we will be meeting only for one month. So 14 years that supposedly we will be together. It's on. It's only one year that we'll be seeing each other. But uh, we have to gamble that for the sake of our children. We don't need your money, money, money. We don't about your money, money, money. We're just going to make the world dance. Forget about a price tag. Ain't about a cha-ching, uh, cha-ching. Ain't about a yeah. bling, bling. Want to make the world dance. Forget about a price tag. <laughs> I'm in a taxi with Maria and her brother Alan, who is a professor of mathematics and a civil engineer. I try to find out why such a lush, vibrant country can't economically support its people. We were a rich country. We have a lot of resources. When you go to uh, what we call rural areas, places or soil are every filthy. But uh, we find difficult what exactly went wrong with our country. Because there is an even distribution of wealth. Yeah. There's a big gap between yeah. the rich and the poor. The elite people who are really big people doing with a lot of business in this country are actually distorting our social policies. That is why as the time goes by, there were only few who are rich and there were a lot of people who are poor. Uh, you know, in the statistics, K, 
more than 50% of our population are really below poverty line. And why then is it that people who are middle class, which you would be middle class, if you want to talk about Irish class systems, I mean, you're all professionally educated and you have to go abroad. Yeah, it's like this gay that uh, because our salary is very low, you know, like, uh, like how much you earn, Alan? Just look at this. I have three kids. I only, as a professional engineer, at the same time, a professor, I'm only a gross income of 20,000. Uh, 20,000 is like 350 euro. And it's very impossible for you to send your children to, children to school. I have a, uh, a daughter, an oldest daughter, who are, I'm sending in a university, but with the help of my sisters. The Irish based sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true because education is very expensive. This is the building, that's the GSIS building, okay, the like a social welfare. But that building, uh, that uh, government, government now have no money because our politicians spend it, you know. So there's no money to pay social welfare? No more, no. Maria and Alan are showing me the sites. On a boat trip to Samal Island, we get talking about some of the downsides of living in a country that relies on its foreign-based female workforce for remittances. You know, this is so, there is a so-called uh, crisis of abundance. So when we speak of crisis of abundance, when the husband felt that their wives are went to abroad, the way of, expense, of dispensing the money changed. They will aspire, they will invite a lot of friends. You know, a lot of friends will invite you, spend beyond or more than before. Look for uh, sometimes... Uh, chicks <laughs> other woman and it's happened very common that if one yeah the wife is going abroad the husband will look for somebody who will <laughs> his time <laughs> fill in the vacuum okay and if the husband is not around if the wife also did, did the same or maybe because they're lonely or they want somebody but the problem is they spend all the money and it happened many uh, cases okay, that they come back if there's no more work and abroad and there's no money then back to basic. The crisis of abundance uh, in my experience with my uh, in-laws is that there is a space for the husband to adjust because when you receive money you have to think how I'm going to spend this and that the next month I'm going to receive another money. There must be some so-called of uh, getting, evaluating the money. You know, receiving 60,000 a month without doing Russia, something. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, and uh, some uh, typically Filipino will buy uh, watches, you know, uh, jewelry. It's okay if they buy jewelry because uh, if the worst comes to worst, you can bring that to the phone shop. But the problem is they will invite older friends and drinking, drinking, I don't, they don't drink a cheapy, cheapy wine or the cheap uh, hard liquor with expensive. That's happened to me, Kate. Maria wants to bring me to her old school where she studied and worked as a young student. We find a quiet corner in the classroom and she thinks back. Um, we are poor family, but we have a very happy family. I have a beautiful childhood and I'm very close to my sisters and brothers. I acted as like my, a parent to them. When I was young, my, my tatay, 
that I what we call dad. Uh, I am very, very close with my father, and as an eldest, I have everything, beautiful shoes, beautiful dresses. But uh, when I was in my l second year high school, my father was very ill, and we, ha we had a hardship in our family. And I think at the time I cannot go to my studies, but I worked very hard. After I graduated my high school, uh, I was very discouraged that I cannot continue my college, but uh, somebody is looking for a sec secretary. But I have no experience, I'm still young, but I tried. Then the, my employer helped me to enroll in college because my father at the time, my parents cannot afford to send me to school. And when I was in college, uh, the, the school is uh, wanted a, a typist. Uh, I'm a good typist at the time. The computer is not yet in. <laughs> and I was accepted as a working student. I'm working four hours every day during school days and free of tuition fees, but I had to maintain my grades not below 85. So I worked very hard, but I, have, I had a problem because I have no allowance. So maybe in God's help, uh, my classmate in high school is knocking on my, my our door, and she said that my my cousin, who is a certified certified public accountant, is looking for a bookkeeper. And I was taking accountancy at the time, and so I I, I went to their office, to her office. Then I was accepted as a bookkeeper. So I have an allowance, and I'm not worried about my tuition fees. And I also help my brothers to go to high school because there's my two sisters are still young. And I graduated my college. Then my, I, I sent my, my brother, two brothers in college as well. I, I still work very hard at that time. I don't know if, if now it will come back. No, no, I will not do it again because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. I will say no, 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 because I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I have to sleep in uh, midnight, twelve midnight, because I have to maintain my grades at the same time, do my working every day. Unlike the norm in the Philippines, Maria did not marry young because she was quite content within her own family. I had already a boyfriend when I was second year high school, but a boyfriend not like now that they go on dating, just boyfriend. Because I'm not very focused of uh, relationship, love relationship, because I'm very focused on my family. I married very late, and the Philippines uh, was that standard, because I married uh, almost 30. Uh, in the Philippines, you should marry 20, because you will turn to be an old maid if you're <laughs> married late, or nobody fancy you if you're old, you know. <laughs> but I have to, because I enjoy my family. Uh, I got married, then... After two years, I have children. Then after six years, another girl. Uh, my first uh, child is a, a boy, then girl, then boy, then girl. And I have four, Then it's very hard to raise children when your income is not enough. I love my, m my mother. I love my father. I love my children. And all my family, my family were helping together. And I have no plans, even when I was young, to go abroad because I'm very content. But uh, I have to because when I have four children and my income is not enough. 
Many times while working in Ireland, Maria will receive an unplanned request from a member of her extended family. The sisters discuss and decide what they can give. Because they work within such tight financial margins, each new request can add a few months onto their stay in Ireland. When Maria heard that developers had come into their family compound and flattened their home, she was forced to add a new house onto the list of things she must provide. See, look at, they were, we were demolished here. See, this is my house over there, and it's all gone now. When did you hear this was happening? You were in Ireland. Yeah, this was two years ago, and my children were crying of what had happened, but I cannot do anything. So we are, we are, they, were, they were panicked, and we decided to rent uh, the house over there. The house is not really very good. So did people, did the people, the developers just come and say you have to leave the house? They have a court order because they, are, they have power. That's why I tried to buy as much as possible. I can buy lots for my children, house lots for my children. It's so sad. Yeah. Like the house is gone. Yeah. And ha have they done anything with it? Nothing. I don't know because I don't want to hear anymore. Maria wants to come home for good in a few years, but to do so she has to invest in enterprises that will generate an income in the future. She believes the answer is land. We visited a number of plots that she has bought in commercial areas and her new home, which is almost ready to move into. Is this the house you're building? Yeah, yeah, but uh, the, the, the required land here is 120 square meters, but I bought 240 so that I can put another extension there for the bed, bedroom because this is very small. I, I, I will try to finish this before I will come back. And I asked Alan because he, uh, he is a civil engineer, I asked him to have a plan for up and down there. So did you buy this land and then build on it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because this is a residential area, it's, it's safer, and I don't want to use my land there because it's a commercial one. For me, it's practical to use this because I don't need a big land, you know. I decided, Kay, that I will uh, uh, that, take out that uh, the the partition. partition, and this is a uh, you see here is just as uh, was that was that you're going to dining room here, and an extension there's my kitchen. And this is the receiving room here, and uh, up and down a bedroom. Just the plan. Very nice. And will you have enough bedrooms for all the children? Yeah, because uh, I asked my brother to make a house plan for uh, four bedrooms, uh, so that because we're a big family and. So uh, when you come back, you could be living here. Yeah, because uh, I already bought some curtains here already. There's the curtains already and. Uh, I have already a table and a furniture, but I just leave it there for the time being because it's not yet finished. Huh? You like it? Here we go. The jewel in Maria's crown of investments is her coconut farm. We're outside Maria's home. <laughs> and the children are placing seats in the back of the truck, ready for our trip to the coconut farm. Twelve children, Maria and I, climb on board.
big family here. <laughs> Everybody will come. <laughs> Maria's husband, David, and her eldest son, Carlos, are acting as outriders on their motorbikes. With a few parting instructions, we're off to the coconut farm. For the last mile or so, the road is so potholed, we are forced to walk. The volcano is so near now on our right, smothered in its cloak of lush rainforest vegetation, while the children guide our way to the farm. If you stand in the center of my farm, on the north side, you can see the mountain, a beautiful mountain, uh, Mount Apo. And during the morning, you can see perfect uh, sunrise. And on the right side, facing to the north, there's a, a rice terraces. And the left side, beautiful mountain there. And I'm planning to, to with uh, loads of uh, banana and coconuts, few trees there along the river, because the, over there is a river, a small river. Behind me, banana and coconut and fruit trees, but they're still small. Maybe five years from now, they can bear fruit. But those bananas over there, uh, you can harvest after, I think, five or seven months. It will be harvest, and I will be earning not big money, but can, we can survive. Like, every week, I will earn 200 euro a week if we will start harvesting. So this is one of your coconuts yeah, that this man is chopping. This, this is uh, this is what we call young coconut cane, and I'm going to let you taste the the juice. See? Oh, look, look it's, yeah. He's opened it now and it's yeah. filling with juice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Can you try it? You just drink it out. Yeah, yeah. Just try. <laughs> just drink it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you can finish that if you want. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very quiet, calm, and laid back. When I start my ironing, when I look at the pile of clothes that I have to iron, oh, it's very tiring, but I have to say, oh, never mind. When you finish here, you will be, was that lying on the, in your bed and sitting in your rocking chair and looking at the mountain, and I will be like, it's make me uh, alive again. <laughs> Makes it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>